Hi, crew, and welcome back to the Wheelcast. It is your host, James Rankin. This week, I was joined by MDV, Matt Della Valley. He is the Chief Fitness Officer of the NC Fit Collective. In this episode, myself and MDV talk about his idea of discipline and how he stays disciplined, his role within NC Fit, and his journey through CrossFit. And he's worked with some very, very, very interesting people. Before we get stuck in, just have one announcement for you this week, crew, and that is that this Saturday... The 30th of October, we have our Halloween workout. That is at all three locations, Santry, Nice Newbridge and Selbridge. If you haven't booked in, now is the time to do so. And fancy dress isn't required, but it is required. We want to see whatever costumes that you have. That's everything from me, crew. Without any further ado, please enjoy the show. Matt Della Valley, welcome to the Buercast. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Really excited to have you. Um, Can you just give us a brief background of who you are, what you do? Yeah, for sure. So um, in the fitness and CrossFit circles, a lot of people know me as MDV. Um, I've been doing this stuff since around 2006. That's when I did my first CrossFit workout. Got my level one in 2008. At the same time, I was pursuing a law career and going to law school and also coaching at the same time. Graduated law school 2009, had a very different vision for my life and uh, was going to go work for a big shit law firm in Manhattan. And uh, (laughs) my job got, uh, the official term is rescinded, Uh, job offer got rescinded, but essentially they took it and said, hey, go do and be without us and uh, find a new job. So that was 2009. Uh, I had been coaching for a few years. I actually moved up to Boston in that year and uh, found myself working at CrossFit New England alongside Ben Bergeron. Heather Bergeron, E.C. Sinkowski, a lot of other studs. I made my way over to Reebok CrossFit One, where I worked there as a staff trainer for Reebok for a bunch of years uh, with Austin Maliolo, Denise Thomas. Went on CrossFit Seminar staff, got to travel the world. I'm sorry if you're hearing the dogs in the background. They're going a little crazy right now. It's all good. um, Dog-friendly show. (laughs) uh, Did CrossFit Seminar staff for a while. Ended up owning a gym on the East Coast. Uh, Did some other stuff with Reebok, which we can talk about in a couple of minutes if you'd like. And then made my way across country to help Jason Kalipa run NC fit and uh, been doing that for the past four and a half, five years. So I'm chief fitness officer at NC fit. Uh, I have a lot of different responsibilities that go into that, but um, one of them being doing stuff like this podcasts. I have my own podcast, work on our programming our coaching development and our fitness philosophy. So that's the, uh, the abridged version. <laughs> Damn. There's a, there's a lot in there. There's some bits and pieces. Like I've been listening to you and your podcast and Jason's for, years um oh, and there's okay. a few bits that i've i've missed so i didn't realize you actually went to law school yeah yep i did that whole journey um wow. yep and you graduated. were coaching on the side at the same time yes yep so i actually found crossfit the first day that i started first few days that i started law school i wow. was in the gym at the school i had been into physical fitness training and i was training a very intense regimen at the time uh for a while and I met this gentleman, this other law student, this guy, Sam Ark, who I owe a lot of my introduction to CrossFit to. Yeah. Uh, I met him in the gym. He was a jack dude. And <laughs> he came over. He was like, hey, do you want to do this workout with me? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Sounds a little creepy, but let's do it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we got after Annie, uh, excuse me, uh, Angie, which is a uh, hundred pull-ups, hundred push-ups, hundred sit-ups, hundred squats. And it was yeah. probably the most bastardized version of angie that you had ever seen 2006 yeah, yeah, yeah. doing 
you know, pull-ups on the machine that's got the knee raise thing up and down. Yes. Oh, Doing wow. squats to a BOSU ball, bouncing my butt off that thing. Oh, but it was God. fun as hell. And that just got you in. That was you hooked. Hooked. Hooked big time. So I started, um, you know, reading the message boards. If you remember back in the day, that was oh, like, yeah, the, uh, like the old the threads. Yep, yes. the forum. I started posting on there. Um, and then as my journey took me all over the place, you know, to New York City and down to Virginia and a couple of different places in my life, I would go and uh, participate in these CrossFit workouts at the handful of gyms that there were. I, I kind of always found myself in a city that had a couple of CrossFit gyms, which is rare because, you know, back in 2006, 2007, there was a couple hundred affiliates, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just getting started. It was a very different feeling in the community. Wow. Um, that's interesting that you have that connection with uh, Ben Bergeron um, from CrossFit New England as well. Yeah. Good the guy. Owner, yeah. The owner of CrossFit Bua, who, the, this gym that I work in now, Jamie, he has traveled over to see Ben two, maybe three times. Very cool. Yeah. And, and Jason, actually, he's met, uh, he spent a weekend with Jason Klepa in Portugal, I want to say, a few years ago. Mm. But, um, one of the big things that we value here in Costa Bua is our values. And Jamie went to, to CrossFit New England and used his time there to, to help dictate how he was going to set up his values and how he was going to help run his gym from there. What sort of influence did you find from Ben, like leading to where you are now? That's a good question. Um, so when I joined CrossFit New England, it was back in 2009. And that was before comp train. Yeah. That was before, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. They, they were sending teams to the games at the time. Um, you know, that Heather Bergeron was an elite uh, female individual competitor. Uh, it was a very rough and tumble time at CrossFit New England. And uh, not to say that in a bad way, it was just very different. You know, yeah. it was uh, very raw and um, the gym looked very different. We probably coached a little bit different back then, but it was still a center of excellence. And Ben always pushed us to our utmost, no matter if it was how we were coaching our classes, how we're interacting with members or how we were competing um, when we were training for the, the different regionals or the game. So, you know, that, that whole message of chasing excellence, um, that's not bullshit for Ben. That's, that's been um, deeply ingrained in, in the things that he's done and said for many, many years. And um, you know, it's not a perfect system. It's not a perfect gym. They certainly have had uh, some ups and downs, but you know, I think you see that over time that, that message really lasts and staying yeah. consistent to that really lasts. So that was probably the biggest takeaway that I had from Ben. Um, you know, you're never really there. You've never really arrived. You can always continue to push yourself. Um, and those lessons have served me really well, you know, leading outside of CrossFit New England. Yeah. Just based on like my perception of you and like what I've seen, and you mentioned it before we even started recording, um, in my notes here, I have MDV, and the first word I have written after that is discipline. Wow. And the impression I get of you is that it's like you and what you said beforehand. You used the word discipline with me, and you said your like your alarm is going off early every morning. Where has that part of you come from? Is that something pre CrossFit, from CrossFit, or that's another really good question? You know, I I think about discipline all the time. I was actually talking to another another gentleman who's about my age, who's got a very large social media following. And he's, he's in the, in the outside world of CrossFit. He's was a Highland games athlete. And wow. we were just having a really interesting conversation about discipline. 
And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like the, the least disciplined, disciplined person in the world. And what I mean by that is that I think by other people's standards, I have a really high level of discipline. By my own standards, I think I have a very low level of discipline. And I think it's relative. You know, I think that, you know, for me, what I need to focus on and work on is different from what other people need to focus on and work on. And I want to push myself to my absolute utmost. And another person wants to do the same. They want to push themselves to their absolute utmost. But that doesn't make, you know, their journey any less noble or my journey any more noble. It's we're all in the same struggle, you know? So from the outside, it might look like I have a lot of things really put together and, you know, uh, I'm able to keep a high level of my nutrition and able to keep, you know, my fitness routine going and my professional life. And yeah, I've really worked hard on those things, but there's so much room for me to grow within those things as well. Um, so I never look at, like I was just saying with CrossFit New England, it's like, I, n- I never look at it like I've arrived. Uh, I'm always pushing a little bit more and more, you know, I think that that sentiment had been deeply ingrained in me from uh, my upbringing, my parents, um, you know, my dad is probably the hardest working person that I've ever met or seen in my life. I mean, this dude lives in his fucking work clothes yeah, nonstop. He like, whenever he's awake and he's not at his work work, he's in his work clothes doing work all the time. He has some leisure activities that he likes, but the dude loves to just get his hands dirty and work. And like, I saw that my entire life. I literally saw it while I'm holding the ladder for my dad, like every summer day of my youth, right? Like holding the flashlight, holding the hammer, like being the, the guy who's with the guy. And that was shitty at the time, right? Like you're a young <laughs> kid. You don't yeah. want to be there. You, you're daydreaming off into la la land. But like, I look back on that and go, well, he was teaching me a lot of really valuable lessons, you know, albeit while probably getting a little annoyed that I was, you know, <laughs> slacking off while he's working yeah. his ass off. Um, but you know, that's my dad and my mom, my mom is an interesting person, man. You know, I think a lot, my mom, my mom is really uh, a loving and caring person, but she's also incredibly hard on me in terms of what she expects or what she knows that I can produce. Yeah. And again, that's another in the moment. I'm always like, yo, why do you have to be so hard on me? Like, I think growing up, you know, my the story about this is I, I got like a three, nine, three GPA in college, right? Like a very high GPA. I really yeah. studied pretty hard. And what she said to me was not congratulations was not like, Oh, I'm super proud of you. And like, Hey, let's go out to celebrate for dinner. Her only question was like, why didn't you get a four row? Yeah. And you know, like that in the moment is really hard to hear, you know, like you graduate with this degree and you have these different subjects that you've mastered or, you know, almost mastered. And, the question question coming back to you is like why did you get that one a minus you know so i I think that really has molded me and created a a version of who i am right now all these different experiences and i also you know in terms of physical fitness i was an ocean lifeguard for eight years and i really took that job very seriously i wanted to be in top physical condition all the time Um, i never wanted to have a question about whether or not i could handle the situation that I was being put in to go and save somebody's life. And we've had a bunch of hairy situations over those eight summers. Um, 
so physical training for me was like really, really, really started probably like my junior year in high school and then has extended to this day. I probably never miss more than two or three days at a time. That is unreal. How do you use that then? Like not for you in your personal or in your professional life, but what's your official title for NC fit? The official title is chief fitness officer and is, made up as that sounds it's my job. It's the career that I've made. <laughs> so how do you use that and your discipline and, and do you try and inspire others via your work ethic or how are you trying to get others to pull along and put the, the same level of effort in that you do? Yeah. A lot of my work right now revolves around um, managing people and um, different players on our team, different teams that we have within our organization, different coaches who we interact with with the work that we do at NC fit. And, um, you know, I don't know everything about leadership. I, I probably know very little about leadership in terms of the grand scheme of things. You yeah. know, I think that we all probably know very little about these things, but what I do know is that I've worked with and for some people who are incredible leaders. I've worked with and for some people who are terrible leaders and I beg, borrow and stole as much as I can from the people who are great leaders. And I, take note and realize that I didn't want to reflect those types of traits or characteristics of the people who were not optimal. Yeah. For me, leadership is always foundationally has to be leading by example. Um, you know, I think I take that really seriously in terms of the things that I do and say, and, and the persona that I show and the level of intention and integrity that I put into the work that I do, because I never want anybody on our team to be able to turn around and say, well, you're asking me to do all these things, but you don't do them yourself. Yeah. Or you're, you're asking me to live up to this ridiculously high standard, but you don't do that in your own life. And I never want to have that conversation with somebody where I'm going, Hey, do this, but I'm going to do something different because then, then you're bullshit. Then yeah. you don't really have a leg to stand on. I also think that to push myself to the level that I want to push myself to, I have to be doing that. I, I, I really have to be putting that pressure on myself. Nobody's going to be as critical of me as I'm going to be of myself. And I, and I embrace that. I, I want to put the pressure to produce the highest quality product, to live to the utmost standard, to create the best workouts, to, you know, be the most innovative. Yeah. And I, you know, we all fall short of those things. It's impossible to always be the best, but like, it doesn't mean you can't try Chase it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you can't put it in your mind that, Hey, these are the things that I want to strive to. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I look at leadership as well, you know, action first, and then making sure that you're creating a really unique culture or a culture that promotes that kind of really strong feeling of excellence and communication and trust and care and empathy and having that be the foundation. So with that then, when you come across people who maybe aren't fit in that culture, how do you in a manage, you don't have to divulge like any specific information if you don't want to, but like no naming names, no naming names. Yeah. But if you come across people who maybe got their way through an interview process or whatever it is, but then, you notice that they aren't actually living up to your expectations and what they said that they would live with or what they would produce. How do you work around that then? So this obviously comes up in 
you know, just about every management situation where you're going to have to deal with tough conversations and, you know, manage your team up. I think the first thing you have to do is you have to take a really hard look in the mirror and you have to ask yourself whether or not you've done everything that you can to set this person up for success. That's another thing about leadership that I think is really important that a lot of people, especially in today's society, in particular in the political realm, there is this lack of accountability. Everybody is passing the buck down the line to the lowest common denominator. So just for an example, this is not how I do work, but if something went wrong on my team, the worst thing that I can do and go, well, oh no, that wasn't me. That was James. James messed that up. James is responsible. I'm fine. The rest of the team is fine. James is the bad actor here. And James is going to take all the blame. That's such a cowardly and inappropriate way, in my opinion, to handle that type of thing. You know, the leader is responsible for everything. That's why you're in that position. You've assumed that role and all of the the title and, you know, the different things that go along with being a leader, the compensation, the, the, the power, whatever, however you want to frame it. You took the good stuff. Now, when the things that don't go the right way go on, you also have to take the bad stuff with that. You have to be accountable. You have to live to that. And same on the other hand of the equation, on the other side of the equation, excuse me, when things do go well, it should never be about you or me. It should never be about the leader. It should be about the team. So, you know, that's another thing that we see very commonly today is that as things start to go well in whether it's the political or social realm or whoever's out there, uh, you know, representing themselves as a leader and taking the microphone to the public, they always seem to say, I did such a great job with this and look at the good things that I did. And they forget the fact that they probably had a very small part of pushing it forward and that the team is really responsible for all this amazing stuff. So I kind of lost where the initial question was. (laughs) That Um, was great though. No, no, no. So if you bring me back to what the initial question was, I can come back to it. It was, gee, I think I've lost it a little bit as well. (laughs) How do I, oh, how do I deal with with, um, managing bad situations? So that's the first thing, you know, you have to ultimately uh, take a hard look in the mirror. You know, number two is you have to look at whether or not you've properly set this person up for success based on the expectations of the role or the uh, task that you've assigned them to do. And if you haven't properly set the expectations, there's nobody to blame but yourself. I can't expect you to come into my organization and then say, hey, James, nice to meet you. Coach for NC Fit. I'm going to walk away and never talk to you again. That is a recipe for disaster. So you have to be super clear. I have to be super clear on what is exactly expected of you. What do you have to do? How do you live up to, if not exceed those expectations? How do you progress in the organization? Getting those conversations out of the way early and making sure that is very crystal clear about what the relationship is, is very, very, very important. Yeah, setting that benchmark early. For sure. And then, you know, as you move through the relationship, as things might not go 100% correct, you have to intervene and you have to manage and have conversations and talk to this person and make sure that, you know, they understand, hey, this was outside of the lines. How far outside of the lines was it? Okay, was it a huge step out? And this is something that we must address right away. It was a you know, pretty uh, egregious failure. Yeah. Or was this just like a subtle difference in a, something that's subjective? And we can have a, a, a really nice productive conversation about why. You know, on either one of those scenarios, 
you still have to make sure you're having the conversation. You can't just let these things snowball. And then in the conversation, making sure that you're communicating the why to these people is very, very important. You know, you have somebody in your organization who, you know, maybe goes off track just a little bit. The best way to bring them back on track is to coach them up and talk to them about why it's important to, to stay in this lane. Why don't we want to deviate even that little bit? Or in the case that it's okay to deviate that little bit, why is it okay to deviate that little bit, but maybe the approach that you took wasn't optimal? Those things are really important. You know, I think the last thing that I'll say about this, because I, I can go all day on this stuff is, you know, the, the thing that I look for the most out of anything now in terms of interviewing and talking to people and having, you know, a coach being in front of me is just it factor and whether or not this person is a good person and whether or not they really want to be better, whether or not they really want to embrace the journey. Yeah. You know, you can come to me with your resume that has all your fancy certificates and all this great experience and if you are showing up late to the interview, if you don't say hi to the front desk person, if there's a piece of trash that's on the floor as you're walking up to me and, you know, you kind of kick it to the side and you make sure nobody saw that, like, those are all like, you're not getting past go, like, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Like, that's the end of the interview right there. I would much rather work with somebody who's a kind person, who's got the it factor, who's excited to be there, who shows up early, who looks professional, and maybe they don't have their level four, level three certificate or whatever just yet, but they're willing to learn and put in the work. So yeah. that to me is really what's most important. hundred uh, percent. We, we, we preach that as well at the minute. We, we've had a, a position in the gym. We've got a, a small collection of gyms as well with three and we've Great. got, awesome. a, yeah, we have a position available and we've had it available for a while simply because we can't fill them. We've had loads of people apply who have all the degrees and they have all the qualifications and they even have all the experience. But as soon as we dig a little bit deeper, it's just not there. And that is, it has to be number one, especially because we work in a service industry. And if you're not able to, to serve these people to the highest level in a personal sense, then the, the making the snacks look a little bit better is irrelevant totally yeah I, I think that's a really strong point i think a lot of coaches forget that we are in the service industry and the number one priority is always the members yeah. um and that if you don't have the ability to tap into high levels of care or empathy or understanding trust those foundational characteristics that this won't work no matter how refined you are with your technical movements yeah. it's not it's also not uncommon to know the technical movements like the back of your hand. Like I think that people sometimes overstate how important that is and how difficult it is to learn that stuff. Yeah. It takes yeah. a lifetime to actually master these things and people dive into them for decades. Yeah. But let's be honest. Like if I can give you a textbook and tell you to go and learn the points of performance and learn the, the cues and know all nine foundational movements and then research these other things and memorize them and understand them and then apply them it can all be learned. Like yeah. it's not, it's not rocket science. <laughs> the thing that's really difficult about the other stuff is that it takes really deep levels of personal reflection and you have to push a lot of things around with inside of you that you may maybe have never dealt with before. Or maybe you have a temper or maybe, you know, you don't know how to check your bad day at the door, or maybe you have an ego. Those things are much harder to unlearn yeah. 
yeah. um, you know, within the system that we want to operate in. So I'm always 99.9% .9 of the time, two people show up. One of them's a technician who has studied Olympic lifting for years, but they have a crazy ego and, you know, they think that they're the shit and they don't want to take any info from anybody. Or I have this person over here who is willing to learn, who just graduated their level one. And, you know, maybe they've coached for about a year or two. 100% of the time, I'm yeah. taking the person who's just coached for a year or two and wants to learn and is a good person and is excited. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. With your, you seem quite a, like a, a very self-aware person. And like you mentioned reflection there and the ability to be able to do that. Where did you learn one that you needed to do that and then two how to do it and, and how important it was yeah this is a kind of similar to the discipline question i think that um you know again i think this is one of those things where the perception from the outside is that i i have a high level of self-awareness and that yeah i probably I, I do have some levels of self-awareness that are maybe a little bit different than other people have but i also have been a son of a bitch. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like a, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I struggle yeah. with a lot of things uh, and, you know, I've made mistakes. I've coached bad classes. I've made bad decisions. I've said things I shouldn't have said. Um, I try to reflect on those things. As I've gotten older, I've realized how important it is to make sure that I think about how I felt in those situations, how I felt afterwards. And what did the other person feel like on the other end of the equation and can I be better are there ways to improve can I continue to push myself to be just a better human being so that process of reflection I think has been really important to me and that's not something that like just appeared overnight there's a lot of years in there where like I didn't do that and I you know was very reactive and emotional and um you know that goes back to when I was younger, you know, high school senior and, you know, in college and how I interacted with my mom and my dad, you know, there's plenty of times when my dad asked me to help out and I told him to go flip off and I'm, yeah. you know, I don't want to do that, you know? And I think, you know, looking back on those, it's, it's embarrassing at some level. Um, it's also understandable in another level because that's what a lot of people do and say when they're younger. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have a lot of regret about those types of things. And, you know, I think not having regret going forward is the only way to operate. You can't live in the past and thinking about all the bad shit that you've done. You can only hope to be better. So doing things like, you know, reflecting and uh, being thoughtful and remembering that the present is the opportunity that I have to, you know, make better decisions. You know, other things that I do is I, I try to read daily stoic every single day, which is a collection of reflections from different, uh, you know, Greek philosophers yeah. about the practice of stoicism which a lot of these types of thoughts and feelings get looped into and it's a fantastic book it's a daily entry that takes five minutes to read and you can reflect on it and i think over time some of those things start to permeate and become more of a part of you know your thought process or your everyday feeling so that's a great way to start the day isn't it yo it's fantastic it's actually right here have it on my desk nice i love that Love a bit of Ryan Holiday. Let's, uh, yeah, let's diverge a little bit. Um, the fitness industry is notorious for bad information, especially on social media. And you're quite prevalent on social media. You're on it. Like you're posting quite a lot. Uh, you, you post some 
great content, but sometimes you could be a bit, what's the right word? You're not afraid to, to ruffle a few feathers. Would that be correct? I think it depends on the lens that you're looking at it through, but um, I would say that based on how we all interact with information and other people's opinions in the current state of things. Yes. I can see how a lot of other people might have their feathers ruffled by some of the stuff that I've said, but just for your listeners here who don't have privy to some of the posts that we're talking about, some of the most controversial stuff that I've posted is about, not eating while you're coaching class, <laughs> you know, like, no, I'm like, yeah. like um, let's call a spade a spade. Like, yeah. When we say it out loud, it sounds like a fucking joke like that. If that's the most controversial thing that's come out of my mouth, hmm. we have some serious issues. Like this is, we talked about it a little earlier. We're in the service industry. I'm not paying a coach to eat while they're coaching the members. I'm paying them to coach the members. So if you're doing anything that interferes with your ability to coach, you're on your phone, you're having side conversations, you show up late, you show up unprepared, you're eating while coaching. All of those things fall into the same bucket for me where I go, the member is not getting your full attention. The member's paying $200 a month to be there with you in this environment. And you're going to tell me that that one hour is the only time that you have to push chicken and broccoli down your throat. Like that doesn't (laughs) make any sense to me. It's just fundamentally flawed to me. And I think the thing about social media for me is like, it's, it's an imperfect means of communication. I don't have the opportunity to have a long format discussion with people. I'm just saying some things that hopefully spark thought for them, for people who are watching. And some people We'll only take it at face value and get annoyed at it. I think other people look at it and go, well, I eat while I coach and my members love it. And they get pissed because I'm highlighting behavior that they're currently reflecting. And I think that it's unprofessional and they think that it's fine. Where I really think that falls is that they're just super comfortable. That this is an industry and a practice in which you can get very comfortable in. And I've seen this happen countless times. Yeah. You know, the boutique fitness space, the CrossFit gym space, you become really close friends with the members. And that's a beautiful thing that happens is that you develop these deep relationships. It also allows you to get very comfortable because you're interacting with people who you see on an everyday basis. It becomes less formal. And I'm not saying that professionalism needs to be dry and devoid of feeling and not fun. I'm saying it just needs to be professional. So if you're showing up to coach the 5 a.m. class in your freaking pajamas that you wore the night before and you got, you know, Pop-Tart stains on your pants or whatever, (laughs) like whatever junk food you're shoving into your mouth as you're coming into the gym, one, you have to figure that out. You have to wake up earlier. You have to get yourself ready to be prepared. The gym should be, you know, a a light and lively place when your members showing up. They shouldn't be sitting in their cars, freezing their asses off while you're rolling up to the gym because you had to stop and get your coffee, wake up 20 minutes earlier. You know, I just, I have low tolerance for those types of things because very often those are the same people who turn around and go, I want to make more money. Yeah. And I want to make this a career and I want to do this forever. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but that's not going to happen doing it like that. Like you have to step up. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nothing's going to be handed to you. So if you want to continue to make, 
uh, a couple of dollars per hour coaching in somebody else's gym, that's the way to do it. If you really want to excel in this thing, you're going to have to push yourself to an uncommon level of commitment. And I hope that that is not ultimately controversial for people. Yeah, it shouldn't be 100%. I hope that it, makes, hope that it makes sense. Yeah. But I can understand, like I said before, some of the stuff, the one-liners that come out are yeah. a little bit shocking to the conscious. Oh, I love them. I think, and I think you're, you're, you're on the money there. And you said something there where you said you have to do uncommon things like getting up an hour and a bit before your class to make your coffee, to make sure that you are always there before every member of the gym shouldn't be an uncommon thing. Like that should be the baseline standard. Yeah. And it's it's I, crazy I how, how, <laughs> doing things really well or even doing things well tends to be like really just mediocre like it, it should be such a higher level like if you look at any other industry if you were to buy if you were to go and buy an expensive car like you go to a ferrari or a lamborghini showroom you expect to be treated like an absolute prince i don't understand why we wouldn't expect coaches to act in the most professional manner if they want to get paid professional money. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg kind of question too. Yeah. You know, I think that that's, that is a legitimate concern. I think sometimes that you have people in the space who, um, you know, they go, well, I'm only making 20 or 25 or $30 an hour. So why do I need to uh, put my utmost into this? Yeah. You know, I think that it's twofold. Number one is that there, there should be a means and a clear progression on how coaches can start to earn more money, whether or not that's, hey, based on your performance or based on the certificates that you go and earn or based on the value that you bring to the organization, we're going to regularly you know, review your compensation and hopefully continue along this journey. I understand that there, there's a ceiling. I can't pay you, you know, uh, an increasing amount of money forever, but you know, we're going to try to do the best that we can to continue to progress you along. I think that that's one aspect. You should also be able to identify some opportunities for coaches to earn money in a way that they can kind of eat what they kill in terms of, you know, personal training or online uh, programming or other means of, um, you know, making money that don't necessarily just revolve around coaching group classes. I think that affording coaches those opportunities is really important. The other side of the coin is how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. And if the coach is saying to me that, hey, I'm, I am only getting paid $30 an hour and um, I don't want to live up to this standard, then I think we have a fundamental difference of opinion in how the job gets done. Because yeah. I really believe that like, and this is just me, this is my opinion. I'm going to do the job to the same level because I personally am invested in the product. I'm personally invested in my own, the, the capital that I'll get from myself from doing something to my utmost. That's valuable to me. Yeah, yeah the money is a great side thing. And you certainly need money to survive. You can't be irresponsible about, about that. But like, you have to learn how to get joy out of doing even the most mundane things to the yeah. utmost. 
you know, how you're going to wash the dishes. Are you going to take out the garbage or like, are you the person who, you know, you just kind of shove everything into your car and then like hope and pretend that it's not there tomorrow. Like it's always <laughs> there tomorrow. You, yeah. you have to take responsibility for that. So I think that, you know, obviously the compensation conversation about coaching is, is complex. I do think that it's two-sided and I think both parties probably need to step up in terms of the things that they're bringing to the yeah. table for compensation. I like it. What do you think um, you mentioned earlier, like eating during class and what coaches should be doing or shouldn't be doing during a class in the briefest way possible. If you can do that, what does a good class look like? What are you, for you guys, like, do you have a, a checkbox of things that you want to be seeing? To, yep. Yeah. Class has got to be fun. Every single member has got to get a great workout. And that's a relative uh, definitive characteristic. Yeah. And every single person has to learn a thing or two. Fun, which also includes safe, because if you're getting injured, that's not a <laughs> that's fun. That's not injury. fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> two, great workout which also includes safe because if you get injured, it's not a great workout. Yeah. And that's, like I said, relative to who that person is, what their journey is, what their goals are. And then three, I want everybody to walk away learning a thing or two, yeah. but all three of those things need to be present in every single class. I don't think any class is complete without checking all three of those boxes. Sometimes you see coaches who just rely solely on their technical ability and they just want to teach the entire class. It's boring as fuck, in my opinion. Like, it, like I'm not there to get a dissertation about the muscle up. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I want you to show me the movement. I want you to teach me a quick progression. Then I want you to tell me, based on my skill and my experience, how do you want me to do this thing today? Yeah. And then I want to move. I want to be moving through these things. That's just my opinion. But I also know that that opinion is shared by a lot of members. Like nobody walks out of the gym and goes, we move so much today. I can't believe how much we move. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Like I was nonstop moving. Nobody complains about moving too much. Yeah. A lot of people complain about the coach talking too much. Yeah. I've been in classes like that. I've, I've coached classes like that. And I reflect on it and go, what the hell was I thinking, man? Like move more, have fun, teach a thing or two next class. That's deadly. That's a, that's very similar to what we have. Um, and like what you said there, that's probably something I've had to work on quite recently as well is I can get into a flow of just talking and explaining the nuances of something. And it's trying to remember, it's like, no one gives a fuck about these fine <laughs> details. It's like, that's for me. I need to articulate it in the simplest way possible and go. Delhi, we agree on a lot of things so far. Last thing I just want to talk about is kind of, Kind of circling back a little bit. You said you started working for NC Fit in 2016? Yeah, 16, 17, around then. How did that come about? So when I was at Reebok um, and working as a uh, trainer for Reebok HQ, that was a great job, by the way. Got to work with amazing people. They sent us all over the world to teach classes and introduce people into fitness. Um, my background as... Uh, you know, a trained uh, lawyer, a trained attorney came up a bunch of times with a bunch of people who were in the building. And they asked me at one point whether or not I'd be interested in transitioning into a role that was on the corporate side of the equation. So take a step back from coaching for Reebok and move into a different role. 
And I thought it was a fantastic opportunity to dust off an old skill set and um, just try something new for a while. So I actually helped manage the Reebok and CrossFit partnership from the Reebok side uh, for about a year and a half. I did that role. And that was a really interesting role. Got to interact with a lot of people who I had previously worked with or known for many, many years, um, but in very different capacities. And part of that was uh, working with NC Fit, which obviously is Jason Kalipa's organization and being um, a liaison on the Reebok side to figure out, hey, can we work together and create something really cool? And through that relationship, Jason and I had known each other through, you know, seminar staff and, you know, different events, but we, we didn't know each other very well, but we became fast friends and we saw a lot of things eye to eye. And there was an opportunity, I think, to go and work and become part of what he was doing. And I, I jumped on, it. I thought that it was a, another nice adventure that I could benefit from and uh, learn a lot and I could impart a lot of benefit on the organization. So, um, yeah, I took that leap in 2016, 2017 and I haven't looked back. Savage. It seems like a, a really good fit for you from an outside perspective. Again, I know, I know it is all relative and it might be different, but I feel like you two are, I feel like you two are quite similar, but then still contrast a little bit. So I can imagine in the background that that just helps push things forward. Just from what I've experienced in the past, having a leadership setup where if you just have everyone who is the exact same, you just agree all the time and nothing actually ever changes. Whereas I kind of feel like you two might every now and again clash and disagree <laughs> a little bit. Like was yeah, it, of course. you released that new podcast this week and there was one point where you, what did Jason say? Oh, he said the, the, the customer's always, always right. right. Yeah. And you disagreed. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad you disagreed. Cause I was sitting in the car and I was like, wait, a, yeah. And I get where he was coming from, but what you said there as well, there's always a scenario where someone's wrong. And I think, I can see that relationship in you guys and it's obviously a big factor as to why NC Fit's doing so well and it's, it seems to be doing really, really good. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it, it takes time, it takes trust. Um, you know, you, you don't come into uh, an organization right away and, you know, necessarily tell the CEO that, you know, you don't agree with something. You know, if you're, you're kind of earning your stripes and you're creating the foundation, you know, you have to you have to be mindful of those types of things. Yeah. You know, I think Jason and I, um, like you said, we do share a lot of common characteristics in terms of what we want to do in the fitness space and, uh, how we think about things like excellence and effort and making sure that we are, um, reflecting the core values of NC fit. We also are very, very different people in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think it's been a healthy work and relationship in terms of stuff that he's pushed me on, um, that, you know, he comes back and challenges me on things that, either I'm creating or, you know, we present. And then I push back on stuff that I think, you know, maybe we could be better or be doing better. And one of those things is we just don't share the same opinion on some stuff like the customer is always right, but we have a conversation about it and eventually come to the same end where we go, yeah, there's obviously situations where the customer isn't right. Yeah. You're always going to meet in the middle on something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the, the beauty of, working with somebody who you have that kind of relationship with is that, you know, you can disagree on things and that other person doesn't become a bad person. You know, I think that's, that's lost today in society where, you know, two people can have different opinions and automatically the other person is a bad person. No, they just don't believe the same thing that you believe. You don't have to agree with them, but it doesn't make them a bad person. So 
Yeah, that's a whole other side of the conversation. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we could get real deep on that. Um, Matt, listen, I'm really conscious of your time. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate you coming on here today. Oh, thank you very much. I had if fun. Pe- if people want to find out more about you or what you do, where can they go to find out? Sure. Well, James, it's been a blast. You asked really thoughtful questions. I appreciate that. Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram, um, at MDV underscore FIT. Um, and please, uh, if you have a question or if you want to chat, you can reach out, DM me. Uh, I try to answer all of them if I can. Um, you can also check out, I recently started a new company, which is called Last Port Coffee Company. And Last Port Coffee Company is at Last Port Coffee on Instagram. And, um, you know, I started that company because I'm passionate about coffee and I was tired of drinking crappy coffee that I was buying from, you know, different places. And yeah. I uh, wanted to work locally with a, a small business to create a really special product. And I think we did that. So last port coffee, check them out. Dude, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Cheers. Matt. Thanks James. Yeah. Cheers.